Lecture topic: Living moderately. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadhi aladin astafa. Amma baadu faaudu billahi min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. يا أيها الذين آمنوا آمنوا بالله ورسوله والكتاب الذي نزل على رسوله والكتاب الذي أنزل من قبل وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إن البذاذة من الإيمان أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم most respected students of deen mothers and sisters in the ayat of the quran sharif that was recited allah taala commands the believers ya ayyuhalladhina amanu o you who believe allah taala says o you who have iman who are believers so allah is not addressing the whole world in general addressing the disbelievers addressing the Yehud, the Nasara. No, this is a specific address in this ayat to the believers, to those who have Iman. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu. Then Allah Ta'ala says, Aminu. O you who believe, Aminu. Bring Iman. Believe. Now this sounds strange. A person has something like for example, it might appear to us that now somebody is saying all the people who are standing so all who are standing now paying attention, say well stand see we already are standing, addressing those who are standing, so okay all those who are sitting sit so all those who are sitting are already sitting there's no point in telling them to sit so likewise, apparently it seems to us that this what does this mean? That those who have Iman, bring Iman. But this is not like the issue about those who are sitting and they are being told to sit. That's a very obvious thing, that those who are sitting are already sitting. When it comes to Iman, so one is the level of Iman without which a person can never enter Jannat. That is the basic level of Iman where the aqaid of a person are correct. He has the correct beliefs. He is not entertaining anything to do with kufr and shirk in his heart. He has accepted and believed in Allah Ta'ala, in Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in all the fundamentals of deen. He has iman and is accepted. So that is the very, very basic and fundamental level of Iman without which a person will never enter Jannat. Allah forbid if a person left this dunya without that basic level of Iman then that person is not going to ever see Jannat will be perpetually in doom forever in Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. But then the person who is fulfilling the commands of Allah Ta'ala as well has Iman and is doing a'mal saliha Now that person's iman, the quality and the strength of that iman will be different. And as one strengthens the iman, that itself becomes 
a means of getting further into amal. A person who is unable to fulfill amal can't wake up for Fajr Salah, can't have any ability to perform the Zuhar Salah. Sometimes a person is making some Salah, missing some. And then if a person is making the first Salah, then there are other amal as well. There's just no enthusiasm for Tilawat of the Quran Sharif, for Nawafil. Then when it comes to, for example, staying away from sin, there's just not any courage to do that. The person doesn't have the ability to refrain from the temptations of evil, of sin. The person just doesn't have the strength within themselves to adopt the correct akhlaq, to speak correctly, to be just, to be fair, to be compassionate, to be kind, to be forgiving, just not there. Something is missing. So what is missing? The strength of Iman is missing. To the extent that the person has physical strength, the person can do a lot of things. Somebody is very strong physically, they can do what a weak person can't do. The physically strong person will be able to run from harm, the weak person will just get caught. The physically strong person will be able to climb a mountain to get the pot of gold there. The weak person says, I can't even climb 10 steps. Say, I'm going to go get the gold to throw the mountain. So the strength physically, to the extent that somebody is stronger, they can do so much more, they can save themselves from so much harm. Likewise, spiritually, to the extent that a person has strengthened his Iman, then he can do so much more and he can save himself from so much of harm. The harm that comes in dunya as a result of sin, and the harm of akhirat as well. So this is the issue here, where Allah Ta'ala is saying, oh you who believe, bring iman, meaning you have the fundamental level of iman, now reach out for the heights of iman. Now you don't be content with just the basic level of energy, you achieve a very high level of imani energy. And this Imani energy must translate into action internally, externally. So to the extent of a person's Imani level, Imani strength, the person is able to then do what is going to bring them even closer to Allah Ta'ala. Now there are many, many things that have been taught to us in Deen, many Amal, and all these Amal, to the extent that the person practices on them, this will strengthen the Iman also. But there are certain things that have been described as from Iman. Now, any Amal that is a righteous action is obviously very good, very rewarding, will bring one closer to Allah Ta'ala. But some Amal which has been described as part of Iman, now clearly being described that this is part of Iman, then that obviously has a much higher level. That is something which will have a very much greater impact on Iman. Among those things that have been described in this manner in the Hadith Sharif is the aspect of simplicity. The Hadith Sharif Nabi Islam says, Innal bazazata minal Iman. And on one occasion, Nabi Islam repeated this thrice. 
some people were engaged in some discussion, Nabi Islam came and he said, Allah, Allah is to now really make somebody take note, Allah, take note, beware, listen, Allah, innal bazazata minal iman, innal bazazata minal iman, that simplicity is part of iman. So any action that has been taught in deen will impact on a person's iman, when a person does it, it will strengthen the iman, but now simplicity has been given a very special position. One is the level of simplicity that the sahaba kiram had adopted, the level of simplicity which Rasulullah himself adopted, which then passed on to the sahaba, that is on a level which for us we should not even just try to dive into it and emulate it at that level. Allah forbid we try to do something that is beyond our capacity. We don't know where we might fall backwards. One person had come to Rasulullah and he gave something, contributed something, one dinar, one gold coin. And he said, this is, after giving it, he said, this is all that I possess. I want to give it in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Nabi Islam threw it. And then he said, some people will give everything away and then they will start begging. He didn't accept it. And Siddiqui Akbar radiallahu ta'ala an, Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala an, on one occasion when Nabi Islam asked the Sahaba to contribute for an expedition, he brought everything and came. Nabi Islam asked him, what you left behind? He said, I've left Allah and his Rasul behind. Nabi Islam accepted it. I was very happy at this. He was at that level, it was accepted from him. And somebody else was not at that level, it was not accepted accordingly. So the point here is that we should not just hear something and then say, well, I am going to do exactly the same if it's not within our capacity. Meaning, we're not talking about things that are farz, wajib, sunnat, muakkada, that has to be done. But everything else in terms of things that need to be developed in terms of qualities that need to be developed, developed. So what is our capacity? We will take one step at a time and move forward. But we must keep in front of us the simplicity of Rasulullah the Sahaba Ikram, and that will inshallah become a means for creating moderation in our lives. In fact, the lives of the Sahaba Ikram and in particular Rasulullah himself Simplicity is not the word. The word simplicity, that is, it doesn't even apply here. Simplicity is something at a certain level. There's something beyond simplicity. At a far higher level, what is termed as zuhud, abstinence. They were at a level of zuhud. To understand this, we understand it from one hadith sharif where Rasulullah says, that Allah Ta'ala had offered, Allah Ta'ala had offered that He will turn the mountain into gold for me. And it will even follow where I go. In other words, it will be available to me wherever I go. But I opted to rather eat one day and make shukr and be hungry one day and make sabr. This was voluntary. It wasn't something that Nabi Wasallam's poverty, the days that he starved, it wasn't because of desperation. It was by choice. 
meaning he had been offered this by Allah Ta'ala, but he chose to have this kind of situation where one day he will eat and one day he won't have anything to. And there were times when three moons would pass. رَأَيْنَ الْهِلَالِ ثُمَّ رَأَيْنَ الْهِلَالِ ثُمَّ رَأَيْنَ الْهِلَالِ Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa is explaining we would see one moon, two moons, three moons obviously two months in between there would be nothing to cook in the houses of Rasulullah Wasallam. nothing to cook so the student asked but then how you all survived in huwa illa tamaru wal ma it was only dates and water two months in a row we get something to eat one day and then the whatever was not completed and full, eaten up the first day, then now that serves the second day, that becomes a problem for us. And especially if it comes up the third day, then that's a very, very big problem. That Allah knows best what will happen. The roof will come down. Three, two months in a row, it's only dates and water. Now this was abstinence. Simplicity is somewhere lower than this. What simplicity means that a person is adopting something but moderating things. Now, one is the level of basic comfort. A person can afford it, by all means. It mustn't be for the sake of anything else, but fine, I can afford something in a halal way, no problem. Something is beyond that at a level of some luxury. If that is affordable in a halal manner, Fine. But while we are saying fine on this, where the problem comes is where hankering after the luxuries of dunya and wanting to all the time be upgrading and updating and things are still fine but it must change. That is now way out of the scope of simplicity. So one is to adopt a very simple level of life. Mashallah, many do that. But for many of us, that too is asking for something which might be beyond our immediate capacity. So Allah Ta'ala is blessed with some na'mas by all means. But the very important part and what is for us is that to keep in front of us the level of the Sahaba, the pious predecessors, read about it, listen to it, ponder over it, but then in our own situation bring about some moderation. And not make the hankering behind the things of dunya the objective. To understand this by way of one little example, sometimes a person is, for example, wanting to buy something. So buy what? Now they want to buy something branded. Why? Because this is in style. Now that brand is in style. What's the price of it? The price is perhaps maybe five times more than the very similar item, maybe of very similar quality, but it's not branded. But now the person says, but now you say it's probably a cheap line thing. That's why they bought that. Now this is something that, that comes from China maybe. This person can't afford maybe the other one. So now we're buying the branded thing for what? To keep up with the Joneses as they say to also create an impression now, this is beyond the scope of simplicity it's gone far beyond out of it because the whole objective is something else
especially the objective becomes showing off to people, impressing people, that is now not even permissible. That, that niyat and intention, it draws the opposite now, it becomes, can become sinful also. So now what the point here is, that a person could afford that branded thing, they said, no, because it's just going to make me feel a little bit nice, not to impress somebody else. Okay, it might be to some extent fine. But when there's something else available which is of similar quality, does the same job, all it doesn't have is the brand, what is the dictates of simplicity? In fact, this is, simplicity too is far below this. But the least is that we save that money and buy that non-branded item and do what with the saving. If you go to spend 5,000, it's available for 2,000 without the brand. So what do you do with the 3,000 now? Allah Ta'ala gives somebody himmat, then there's something to do with it. But even if a person then just saves that, that too is still something. That it will be used now for something constructive later on. But when that was already earmarked for spending on something which could now be saved, so what should be done with it? There's an incident, now just to understand the answer to this question, that there's different levels of what can be done with it. Somebody saved it, well and good, no problem. Somebody spent it on something else, which was of need, by all means, no problem. But just to understand that there were people with a different thinking. Hazrat Umar bin Abdul Aziz, rahimahullah, the very, very great personality, who was known as the fifth of the Khulafai Rashidin. He was not a Sahabi, but the time of his rule, which was very short, he was poisoned and as a result he met his end in that manner, became Shaheed as a result of being poisoned. Because when he started establishing the justice, many people disliked this because they wanted to do their own things and eventually somebody poisoned him. So he had a very short Khilafat of about two years. But the manner in which he conducted his Khilafat and the justice that he established, people were reminded of the time of Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab And his name was also Umar. So they called him Umar Asani. That you have brought alive those memories. So once, now he, when he got appointed as the Khalifa, the first thing he did was he came to his wife, among the first things, she was the daughter of a king. So now she was a, from, coming from a royal household. He said to her that, look, you have an option. Either all these jewels, this jewelry and all these fine things you have, either you take it all and put it in the Baitul Mal, in the public treasury, which will now be used for the Muslims in general, Otherwise, you have the option of then be separate. You go your way and I go my way because I cannot now continue with this wealth in my house. Now, she's coming from royal, royal household and now she is being put this option. Either you separate all this, give all this away and you'll have a very simple basic life now. Otherwise, you can have your luxuries but you go with it. She, despite coming from this royalty and living in the lap of luxury, she said, I will part with all this, but I won't part from you. 
she understood where true value lies. That all these perishable things of the world, what value this has? But a person of this taqwa, this piety, how can I ever imagine and even entertain the thought of separating from such a husband? She gave everything away into the Baytul Mal. Now this is the personality of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz rahimahullah. Now he got to know one son of his bought one ring for a thousand dinars, uh, for a thousand dirhams. He bought a ring for a thousand dirhams. Now when he got to know about this, he wrote him one letter. He wrote a letter to him and I've come to know that you've bought this ring for a thousand dirhams. Now you go and sell it off and you buy another one for one dirham. You buy because now one dirham too could have bought in that period of time a decent ring. You buy a dir- ring for one dirham and the rest of the money you feed a thousand bellies with it. Now you have already spent a thousand dirhams on buying one ring. Now you sell that off, you get a thousand dirhams back, you buy one ring again. You wanted a ring, no problem, you buy a ring. But you buy a ring worth one dirham. Now you had already spent this money, so this money was already gone. Now that is back in hand, now you feed a thousand bellies with it. Now this was the aspect and the lesson that he thought. The question that we asked was, what to do with that saving? Now this is what to do with the saving, to invest in the akhirat. To invest in that investment which there is never a loss. To invest in that investment which gives its profits at a time when a person needs it most. Many times in dunya, a person has some investment, now he needs it. They say, no, but you can't cash this thing now, they can't find buyers for this property. He's stuck with it. He's got an investment, but now the market is down. So now you're going to lose half the money that you put into it to start off with. You bought it for so much, you're going to sell it now, you're going to get half the amount. person invested in some shares somewhere, whatever, suddenly heard everything crashed. Everything was wiped out. How many people had this kind of experience? This is all the investment of dunya. But the investment of akhirat, there's never a loss. Rather, there's profits that one can't imagine. Now, this is the way in which this needs to be channeled. Investing in the akhirat. As mentioned right at the beginning, we have to work within our capacity. We should not try to take a jump beyond where we can manage. But we have to start building this mindset. And for example now, if supposing we were in that situation, we bought that ring for 1000 dirhams and now we could have changed it, so we bought another one for 1 dirham. Out of that 999 dirhams, fine, let us save 700 too, no problem. But let's spend the 200 to feed 200 bellies. Fine, we are not in the capacity of spending the whole 1000. Save 700, no problem. And use it for something worthwhile, something constructive. But spend 200. Spend 200 in the avenue that will bring us closer to Allah Ta'ala. Now this is what the simplicity in our level requires. That we don't keep going headlong into the same direction and chasing behind every... We saw something by somebody else, or what we got is not good enough. We must have what that person has now. And this 
chasing after the luxuries and comfort. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, That beware of becoming, of hankering behind luxuries and wanting, desiring and wanting to have this very comfortable lifestyle. Everything must be at the highest level of comfort. As I said right at the beginning, person can afford something of comfort, something of some luxury also, no problem. Within limits, within reasonable limits, no problem. But where that itself becomes the objective. Now, person must have it. The story about must have it. And I can't do without it. Then there's become a problem now. And this is what we are being cautioned against, that we need to moderate things. Just to understand this, sometimes where this goes and how this unfolds, Many, many years back, perhaps some 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago, one friend had come to show his new car. Now he had bought a new car and he came to show it, take dua, whatever. So in any case, when he came, so now he's showing, mashallah, this car he bought. Then in the process, he's explaining also, that this is a uh, six-cylinder and... I said, now, mashallah, six cylinder, so what's, what does that mean now? What does that six cylinder mean? She says, no, well, it can, got that amount of speed. What speed? So he said, the speed, no, this thing can go like about 100, 240. 240 kilometers an hour. She says, yes. So, okay, the one below it is what? Said, well, the four cylinder. The four cylinder, what speed it can go to? Said, well, it can go also 180, 190 kilometers an hour. So this one can go 240, 250 kilometers an hour, then 180 kilometers an hour. So I asked him, but in, besides this now, six cylinder, four cylinder, now the speed difference, this and that, what other differences are there in terms of the comfort, the other features, and whatever other things go along with it? He said, no, everything else is the same. The only difference is this? Yes, the only difference is this. So, okay, now what's the price difference? Of the six cylinder and the four cylinder. Everything else is the same. The same, it looks the same too. And uh, all the comforts and the features and everything else is the same. The difference is the speed. So what's the price difference? Now that we're talking about 25, 20, 25 years ago. The price difference is at 30,000 rands. If we translate it into today's terms, maybe 300,000 rands. Maybe more, maybe half a million rand difference. Allah knows, I don't know, Allah alam. Supposing we just say to be on the safe side, 100,000 rand difference. Let's just be safe and say 100,000 rand difference. It won't be anything less than that. So now, I said 100,000 rands, 30,000 rand in that time, 100,000 rands. You paid 100,000 rands for that additional speed. Additional meaning beyond that 180. Now, if you drive at 180, that too is a very dangerous speed to drive. You'll be doing something against, you'll be breaking the law, you might end up breaking your life also. Because if you drive at that speed, it's very dangerous. Allah forbid somebody just makes some wrong move on the road, you can't control it. You're driving, you know what you, uh, you got your eye on the road, everything controlled, but you got no control about what somebody else might do. And that last moment, at that speed, 
the reaction time is very minimal. You might not get the chance to react. And by, before you know it, you've knocked into something or somebody that did the wrong thing. So that's very dangerous. Now, already that is dangerous enough, 180. You want to now pay for something that will take you to 250. What's going to be the case then? And when and how often you're going to even get the chance to do it? One odd occasion, you're going to go into some road where there's maybe quite road. You're going to feel how it drives at 250, 220. That too is a very dangerous thing to do. But for once, twice in your lifetime, you'll do it. Now, what did you pay for? So now, this person started thinking and he's feeling a little bit embarrassed now because he was a friend, could talk to him in that light, in that manner. But now this was an example, it was a real life incident which happened. But like that, we have to now reflect into our lives. There are so many things that we buy where the additional amount that we are paying for is not for anything tangible. Anything of any practical benefit. One is, as we said, something will give you additional comfort. It will make things a little bit better. Fine, no problem. But often it is just something to show off about. It will just give a better uh, look to it. Whereas what is much cheaper compared to that is not looking bad either. But it doesn't have the glitter and glamour of this one, that's all. So only for the glitter and glamour, nothing else. Not that that is looking odd or that is not looking good. That is looking good. But this has that additional glitter and glamour. For the glitter and glamour, you're prepared to pay how much? Sometimes tens of thousands more. Tens of thousands for the additional glitter and glamour. Now, just to understand it by means of an example... A person is building one cupboard. So the cupboard is now for what? The cupboard is for some groceries. So now one is something that is maybe second best. We're not talking about something that is cheap line. So the cheap line thing just will get completely out of use and broken down in a short while. One, two years time you have to replace it. Okay, fine, no problem. Go a little bit above. Okay, the wood and everything is fine, but it doesn't look too nice. Okay, go beyond that one above. Okay, this looks fine. But it's not as good as the top level thing. So fine, the top level now. So the one below it too will last a lifetime. And it will look fine, very good in fact. But the one above that, that is now a big jump now. That is something on another level. Now somebody says, I got the money. So now I must do it. So now if bought it, did it, and paid how much? Maybe 25, 30, 40% more, which amounts to thousands of rands, 10, 15, 20,000 more, maybe more than that. So now what we did, 20,000 more was spent for what? For something that's going to house cans of beans. So that's basically groceries meaning. It's going to house some tea leaves maybe, some tea bags, it's going to house some uh, sugar and rice maybe but that's what's going to house now if a person came one level down in our context that's our simplicity for now that just take one step back you're not asking to come down to the ground but start taking one step back 
and especially in the recent times, whatever we've seen and experienced, etc., we should be opening our eyes to this. That we're not even asking ourselves to come down to the ground, but start taking one step back from that very high standard that we have created for ourselves. Now, if a person took that one step back, so he saved sometimes 25,000, 30,000, maybe more, Allah knows best, depending on how much, how much was spent on the whole thing. So now what he saved from what was now, what he's going to house some cans of beans and some rice and sugar, he can with that saving build a house for somebody who doesn't have a shelter to live in. Now what du'as will come out of the heart of that person? Now here that shelter is for beans. The shelter is for rice. Fine, you need a decent place to keep these things, no problem. But if we just took one step down, we'll build a shelter for a person to live with his family. Now dunya is not just about trying to make things better for ourselves all the time in terms of the comforts and luxuries. There's more to that in this time that we have in dunya. We don't know when our time will pass. Before we know it, we're gone. And we can't allow ourselves to get consumed by these small things. We have to look at the bigger things. What's the bigger thing? To build our akhirat. Now by building that small house for somebody, out of the saving, we're not even talking about what we need, we took out something out of our need. No, no, no. And our needs are already on the level of luxury too. So we accepted that as well. We are talking about now, just taking one step back from that high standard that we have already set for ourselves and enjoying the luxuries Allah has blessed us with, by all means. Having the comfort Allah has blessed us with. But just saving that additional, just that what's going to just create that little glimmer and glitter and glamour or just going to be nothing of any tangible benefit as such. And that we start sharing with others. And now we learn from the lesson of Umar bin Abdul Aziz, what was his reaction? How he dealt with this matter? Now we need to take some lesson out of it. And need to come to some kind of understanding of what is life all about. Life is not just about just dunya and things and luxuries and comforts. Again, repeatedly I'm saying this, that a person, nobody should misunderstand what is being said. Nobody has been forbidden from enjoying the comforts, the luxuries Allah has blessed. But we need to bring some moderation in that as well. Then what is beyond that in terms of, for example now, person is having a wedding, that is now in another, another issue altogether. They, what goes on, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us, that is what draws down difficulties, what draws down hardships, meaning the wastage, that is not becoming simple, that is to now stop throwing away the na'mas of Allah Ta'ala. Stop wasting and squandering the gifts of Allah Ta'ala. Because that is now going to draw down Allah Ta'ala's azab, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. Allah Ta'ala has warned us already, if you are ungrateful by throwing away and squandering the bounties that I have blessed you with, then my azab is also severe, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So this is a very deep aspect which we have to ponder over, think over, 
stop chasing behind these fashions and all these fancy things and start coming down to some moderation. Otherwise there's no end to it because people who are behind all these fashions, they need to make money. They can't keep producing the same thing all the time. So nobody's going to keep buying the same thing. It has to keep changing and has to be keep be made more appealing. And the same thing with different little changes here and there, but it has to that's that consumerism. That's what they survive on. And not just survive, they make billions out of it. But now to, for them to make those billions, they have to make people consumers. And in order to make them consumers, they have to make them materialistic. And in order to make them materialistic, they have to dent the Iman. Because if the Imani values are high, then the person is going to get caught up in the materialism. So now that Imani level has to be lowered. So now all the things that will weaken the Iman will now be brought into the equation. And Allah forbid we get caught into it. Now we are looking at this and that and all the adverts that are flooding our homes through our devices. So now everything we see we want. And we only keep looking at dunya and thinking about dunya and dreaming dunya. But have we dreamt about what we are going to do to try and light up our cover? To try to bring the comfort of our cover? To try to bring the bedding of Jannat in our cover? Try to bring the comfort of Akhirat? This is the direction that we have to think in. We have to start dreaming about. We have to start working towards. Allah wa ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq. We start bringing some moderation in our lives. Don't keep hankering after luxuries and comforts. Whatever lies best us with, we enjoy it. We don't make that the object of life. And we don't ever bring this into the situation that we want to do things, buy things, adopt things in order to impress others, in order to show off to people. That then now takes it out of the category of permissibility and makes it impermissible, makes it sinful. And in all this, we have to develop the heart <coughs> that is wanting to share, wanting to uplift somebody that's down and out, wanting to put that shoes on the barefooted person who's walking distances without shoes, that's wanting to put that food in the belly of somebody that's hungry, wanting to put that shelter over the head of someone that has nothing, that's down and out, they living in a very, very camped space with three children, five children, all in one room. That is the thing that now we need to start looking at. How to help those who are in desperate situations. This is what's going to earn us our akhirat. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala give me all of us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفل لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم افتح لنا بالخير واختم لنا بالخير واجعل عواقب أمورنا بالخير بيدك الخير إنك على كل شيء قدير ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين واجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم 
ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبي